the president rector of St. Mindred Seminary. Uh, and this evening we have, are privileged to have Father Luke Mary Fletcher, who is a Franciscan friar of the Renewal. He's been a Franciscan for 25 years, born and raised in Tipton, right? More or less. And um, he's getting his doctorate in... whatever. Uh, he's very smart. That's what you need to know. Uh, and uh, we're, we're really happy to hear uh, his talk, which is entitled, How Everyone Has a Place in God's Plan. He came, uh, when did you get here? Yesterday. He's leaving tomorrow from New York. So we really appreciate uh, his uh, commitment to being here uh, with us. I think he's going to retreat afterwards. So, um, so we thank him. And without further ado, Father Luke Mary. Thank you, Father Richard. Now for the real story. I was playing poker over at the rectory, and being a poor Franciscan, I didn't have any money, so this is what I offered. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, so a word of welcome to everybody coming in. Welcome. And um, I thought I would just begin by quoting your bulletin from your parish, just to kind of set the stage for what we're doing here. Um, well, why don't we say a prayer first? <laughs> name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, we thank you for this beautiful day. Uh, we ask for your blessing upon our time here together. Um, help us to grow in our love for you and for one another. And in a very special way, we welcome the intercession of the angels and the saints, especially our dearest Blessed Mother Mary, as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. St. Francis, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So welcome, everyone. Welcome. little greeting that St. Francis would always begin his preaching. May the Lord give you his peace. Amen. So this is a quote from your bulletin, kind of announcing this series of speakers here for the month of October the month of pro-life. So I'm presuming Father Richard wrote this. I don't know. Okay. How well we endure stressful, anxiety-ridden times depends a lot on us. Physical, mental, and emotional strain or tension seem to be constant at this moment in history. The new sacraments of the day are diversity and tolerance but they cannot be the God to whom we look for our peace. The cultural Catholic doesn't share in the great blessing of what it is to live a truly Catholic life. The church has survived preaching one truth, albeit very many diverse lenses, over the centuries. How is that possible? Question mark. Join us this October and learn from a variety of perspectives and religious traditions what it means to overcome angst and discover joy and peace. Um, and then it says something about the speakers. Okay. So um, when Father and I were talking, we've been friends for a very long time. I just thought it was such a great idea. And um, so very happy to be here with you all. It, it is a great blessing. And... Um, when I was going through my studies and my formation, um, one of the things I, 
I grew in my love for our faith and for the church is just the variety of traditions. And it reminded me of a very funny experience I had. Um, so when I was a teenager here in north central Indiana, cornfields on the right, soybean fields on the left, working summers at Indiana Beach, there is more than corn in Indiana. Okay, there's corny humor. So that's not my fault, okay. And uh, I remember having the experience of the first inklings that the Lord might be calling me to serve him in some way. And uh, these were the days before cell phones and internets and, you know, etc. And uh, sometimes at your parish, there would be a guidebook for religious vocations. So you would get this book out and there would be a little ad for all these different groups all different types of monks and nuns and friars and lions and tigers and bears. Oh, my. And they had like a postcard. So you pulled out the postcard and you put your name on it and you dropped it in the mail. Like, I'm interested in more information. Well, I'll never forget, for like three months, I had a laundry basket full of pamphlets. You know, it's like a deluge of pamphlets and brochures and, and uh, you're just feeling kind of overwhelmed, like, what, what can I possibly do? So I, I got rid of the ones for religious sisters. <laughs> no offense. <laughs> um, you have to understand Franciscans and Dominicans are like cousins. So we're kind of obligated to tease each other when we see each other. Okay. St. Francis and St. Dominic knew each other. So it was the same era. Um, so anyways, uh, you have all these pamphlets, all these. And I was just, I, I had no idea. My experience of Christianity and Catholicism growing up here in Indiana, I, I don't really remember meeting different types of priests and brothers and monks and friars. And so it was kind of overwhelming, but it was also kind of exciting as I was just starting the journey of discerning my vocation and praying and, you know, and asking the Lord for guidance and trying to figure out, you know, where do I fit? I think we've, we all have that moment, don't we? <laughs> At least once. <laughs> Lord, where do I fit in this world? Okay. And um, so I, I felt so edified by this thing that within the one church, within Christianity, there are a variety, as Father says here in the bulletin, a different lenses, diverse lenses and variety of perspectives that are all like within the church. And uh, I really see that as evidence of how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit raises up so many different types of flowers in the garden of the Lord. So you know, Franciscans, we love flowers and <laughs> plants and, okay, creation. And it's really something beautiful. And so when I was um, discerning, and I, it was almost like dating. I don't know how else to describe it. I would visit different groups. So I remember visiting this group and that group and monasteries, and I was going to university, and, and uh, there'd be a long weekend. I'd be off somewhere to kind of check, check out a group. And um, I remember having experiences of, I don't think I fit here, you know. And um, that was helpful. That was helpful because it helped me to clarify where I think the Lord was leading me. And lo and behold, through a series of a bunch of different experiences, 
um, I started to form a certainty that the Lord was calling me to be a Franciscan. So at that moment, you're like, fine, it's settled. I'm going to be a Franciscan, the son of St. Francis. Well, then there's all these different groups of Franciscans. <laughs> Brown robes, black robes, gray robes, gray hair, you know, like. So then there was more discernment that was needed. So I ended up um, joining, feeling called to join this reform group of Franciscans in the Bronx in New York City. And um, so that's where, when I graduated from college 25 years ago, and uh, went out there to New York City to join this group called the Franciscan Friars of the Renewal. So this is uh, a bit of a, a newer reform branch on the Franciscan tree that, that I belong to. And um, our community started in 1987. So in terms of Catholic history, we're still babies, <laughs> you know. There were only 21 friars in the whole community. So it was so new when I was visiting and now we're about 130, 135, and I'm one of the old guys. So really amazing what's happened. And um, when I joined the friars, there are classes that you take. And uh, in the classes, you're learning about all kinds of things which was really helpful because, again, growing up out here, I really didn't have an experience of these religious life. So I had a lot that I needed to learn. And I'll tell you, I was so amazed to learn at all of the different traditions within, well, I guess we could say it this way, different types of Catholic spirituality, different types. And uh, I just am completely fascinated by that. I'm just amazed by that. And so um, I guess that's why I'm here, <laughs> to talk about the one I know the best, the Franciscan spirituality, the spirituality of St. Francis. And um, so as you were walking in, we had a little video playing on the screen. I don't know if you could see it. Some just images of the little town where he grew up in central Italy, Assisi, Assisi, not a sissy, Assisi. And how many of you have been to Assisi? I know a few of you. Yeah, so, okay. So, okay, well, I'll skip that part. <laughs> yeah. But it's a beautiful, a beautiful little town. It was a medieval town at the time of St. Francis, and um, it really is a remarkable place. And when you visit there, it's almost like you can feel his presence in the very stones. It's just really remarkable. It's on the not quite a mountain, but a hill, and it's kind of beautiful and picturesque and romantic and uh, medieval. And uh, so that's where St. Francis came from in the 1200s. So he died in 1226. So we're looking at the 13th century, the 1200s, medieval Europe there in central Italy. So that's where this whole thing got started with St. Francis. And um, if you know anything about the, the history of different types of Catholic spiritualities, well, here's my best explanation, okay? So forgive me, you're, you're getting a little bit of my take on things. I admit that. So one of my favorite things to look at on YouTube, I was going to play some for you, but then, you know, with the setup, maybe you wouldn't be able to see it. There are these people who take a popular song and then they, re, they redo the song in a different genre. <laughs> Have you seen those? Check, check it out. So, like, for example, there's, like, a, a rock and roll song, 
and then somebody puts out like a bluegrass version of it, and then there's like an, an acapella version of it, and then there's like a reggae version, and you know, and it goes on and on, a Mozart version, and, and uh, I just love that. It just cracks me up. I'm a bit of a musician. That's part of my background. And so there's this thing where um, these really talented musicians will take a really popular song and then there'll be, you know, the jazz, you know, can you imagine if it was a rock song and then they show you this is the jazz version. It's just, it's so funny to me. And I kind of feel like something similar with uh, the different types of Catholic spirituality. Um, so it's a little bit of silly. That's me. I'm kind of silly. So, um, but when we talk about the different types of spirituality, um, I'm just going to lay down some like basic groundwork for everybody. So it's all about Jesus. So we have the beauty of our faith, right? Particularly witnessed in the Bible. And in the center of that whole story is the coming of God himself in the Messiah and the Savior, Jesus. And we have particularly in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, we have the content of what Jesus taught and what Jesus did. So there's this beautiful, sometimes it's referred to as the deposit of the faith. There's this content that when God himself came, this is what he taught us. This is what he said. And then we know of the death and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. That's what he did. So what Jesus said and what Jesus did, it always has to come back to that. So with the gospel, this sacred deposit of, the, of our faith, this precious um, revelation that we have that what God himself has taught us all throughout the Catholic history it, it's always like um, a re bringing forth of that gospel so for me it's a little similar to what I shared with you about YouTube you know so like maybe you know the Franciscans is kind of like the funk version <laughs> You know, the, the, the Dominicans are more, I don't know, Beethoven or, you know, all that theology. And they love words and books with lots of words. And we love, you know, comic books with pictures, okay? Um, but there, so last week you had the Dominican, right? Father um, Benedictine, Father Dennis, right? Who follows St. Benedict. And St. Benedict is one of these people. There's a Benedictine spirituality he actually is from a similar area where Francis is from, but much earlier. He is the rule of St. Benedict. So all the Benedictine monks and the Benedictine nuns had this beautiful and rich Catholic Christian spirituality. And it's really captured well in this um, rule of St. Benedict. And then you have, like, for example, the Jesuits. So we're very confused right now because we have a Jesuit pope who took a Franciscan name. So I don't, the wires got crossed. Okay. But so St. Ignatius of Loyola, the founder of the Jesuits, and he has his famous um, rules for spiritual discernment, the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola. And it's yet another incredibly beautiful and fruitful and rich Catholic spirituality that is kind of coming out of his life. 
course, we have our Dominicans and with St. Dominic, who was a contemporary of St. Francis. And then uh, not far, long after St. Dominic is the famous St. Thomas Aquinas. And uh, I think a lot of the, the charism of teaching the truth, etc. <laughs> and, and it's kind of a unique take on the Christian life that's there. And I just find that so beautiful. It really is like going through, you know, like an arboretum or a garden. And you see there's all kinds of variety of these beautiful, different. There's beauty, and yet there's difference that's, that's there. All within the one faith, the one gospel of Jesus. Now, the Franciscans, for us... Um, it's a little bit different and a little bit unique in that what ended up happening for us as Franciscans is it has a lot to do with the life experience of St. Francis. So we have a rule, a rule of St. Francis, and we have different Franciscans who wrote theology and stuff, but somehow we have a relationship with St. Francis that's very different than all the other religious orders like the Dominicans don't necessarily hold up St. Dominic and like we have to be like him or, you know, but with Franciscans, somehow the story of St. Francis, his lived experience ended up coming together to form a spirituality. So in the writings of St. Francis and in the early biographies of St. Francis, those who wrote down the story of this guy, um, it kind of ends up coming together for a new spirituality. And that's the Franciscan spirituality. So at this point, I have to do some clarifying, okay? Things that St. Francis never said. Are you ready? <laughs> Preach or proclaim the gospel. And if you have to, use words. You know that, right? Does any of you have that on a coffee mug at home? He never said that, <laughs> sorry, nor would he, you know. Um, what, what are some of the other ones? Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is doubt, let me sow faith. You know that? Anybody sung that? Dan, you make me an instrument. It's beautiful. He never said that. <laughs> okay, sorry. I know, I'm, and there's no Santa Claus. I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know? But... I, it is a friar, you know, you look like this, you're out in public, and people sometimes will say, are you into karate? Are, are you into Star Wars or Jedis? Or, you know, I remember when Lord of the Rings came out with all those gray robes and beards like Gandalf. So Halloween is the one night the Franciscans, we do not go out. People are like, oh my goodness, that's such a great costume, you know? It's like, every day is Halloween. Okay. But, um, <laughs> sorry, I warned you, I'm a little silly, okay? Um, so, so often people, oh, St. Francis, oh, we love St. Francis, you know? I have a bird bath of St. Francis in my garden. So some of you have that? Okay, so I'll be willing to come over and bless it for you, okay? <laughs> um, so... Some people would say that St. Francis might be one of the most popular saints, that even people who aren't Catholic or who aren't Christian um, have a great love for St. Francis. And um, 
I think sometimes people have either a false idea of who St. Francis really was, or maybe they just know like a little piece of it, like the piece that's kind of popular, like he loved animals um, and he preached about peace all the time. Well, that part is actually true. Uh, more about that in a minute. Um, so more things that St. Francis never actually said, you know, like he never said, I love animals, they're delicious. <laughs> Sorry. The, the, we have all these funny quotes, you know. So with the real St. Francis, let's begin with the, the real St. Francis. He loved Jesus. He loved Jesus. So if anybody wants to talk about St. Francis disconnected from Jesus, they are com it's not St. Francis. They need to call it something different. The real St. Francis, he was a saint, and he loved Jesus. He loved Jesus with all his heart, soul, and strength. He was raised in this little medieval town, and there's a lot of things happening in his culture at the time that offer explanation for things about his life. But he was a little bit of a wild child. His father owned a clothing business, and uh, so they were kind of wealthy. And he was very popular with all of his, you know, fellow teenagers, because they'd have these parties, and he would always pay the bill. And he was kind of known for having really nice clothing. Can you imagine if your dad owned... Um, I was going to say J.C. Penney, but where do people get clothing? <laughs> 25 years in the monastery, I have no idea anymore. Vera Bradley, Clara, where do you get your clothes? I don't know. <laughs> so St. Francis, you know, was wealthy. Uh, they say that he is the most saintly of all the Italians and the most Italian of all the saints. You know, you can imagine him speaking with his hands and just loving life, and, uh, and he was crowned the king, not, not homecoming, but like king of the party. They had this king of the party, and so St. Francis was kind of known for being this guy. He even wanted to be a knight. You think of like the medieval tales of King Arthur and the knights of the round table, and, and St. Francis was enamored of the, those ideas, and, and he wanted to be a knight, and um, he kind of gave himself over I guess nowadays we would say something like a little bit of a worldly kind of life. And then he had a big conversion. He had a big conversion. He was in one of these local uh, battles and he got captured. He was in jail for a year and he got really, really sick. And during that time, he had the opportunity to reevaluate his life and to really pray. And he had some experiences of the Lord. And he realized he'd been going the wrong way. And he had a big conversion. He finally gets out of jail. And he's just praying. He's trying to pray. And he's trying to figure out, what does God want me to do with my life? Where do I fit in the world, in God's plan? And so as he's praying, there were a couple of things that happened. One of which I want to share with you, which is kind of important and famous there was an old dilapidated chapel out in the fields. So the monks would have a little chapel out in the fields because in those days the monks were like farmers 
And then instead of going all the way back to the monastery for prayer time, they would go to this little chapel throughout the day to do their prayers. And so there was kind of a half-abandoned old stone chapel, and St. Francis would hide there and pray. And he would seek the Lord's will. And in this little chapel, there was a painted crucifix. And uh, this painted crucifix was almost like an icon. And it was based off of the Gospel of St. John. And one of the days when St. Francis was praying in there, the crucifix, the image of Jesus on the cross, came to life. And he spoke to Francis. And you may know the story. Jesus said to him, Francis, go and rebuild my church, which you see is falling into ruin. Three times, Francis, go and rebuild my church, which you see is falling into ruin. And when St. Francis came out of his trance, he, he had a grace that the Lord had given him like a direction. And so he started rebuilding that church, <laughs> like literally. <laughs> he goes over to, to the, um, to the uh, local river, which was dry at the time, and he's grabbing stones, and he starts going through the streets of Assisi, which was you know, probably the size of Tipton. And he's like, if you give me a stone to rebuild the Lord's church, the Lord will give you a blessing. If you give me two stones, the Lord will give you two blessings. Is this when we pass the basket, Father Richard? No. <laughs> sorry, sorry. And so literally, so St. Francis took the word of Jesus literally, and he's literally rebuilding this little chapel. He ended up doing that for three little chapels, and one of which is kind of a famous chapel. And um, you can see it either on the internet, if you, if you can't go over there, there's a big basilica, and inside it is a little stone chapel the little portion, and this became the mother church of the Franciscan order because when Francis is literally rebuilding churches stone by stone, other young men in the town started to come and join him. They started kind of praying, and they were kind of like holy carpenters rebuilding the church. Well, eventually, they go to the church to open the Gospels, and asking Jesus, like, now we're a group. St. Francis later, he would write, the Lord gave me brothers. The Lord gave me brothers. And they would open the gospel and say, Lord, what, what should we do? Lead us. And they would open it to where Jesus says, take nothing for your journey. And the other passage, they would open and they would see these. And again, we're coming back to the heart of our faith, the gospels that content of what Jesus taught us. And they're like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> so that was the idea. And so more young men started to come and join them. And lo and behold, it started to look like a religious order. And then a, a couple of local girls started to come, St. Clair and some of her sisters and cousins. They became the Franciscan sisters, the poor Clares. You have them in Kokomo. And they went down to meet with the Pope and so it's a really small, little ragtag group of these guys. And they were, they were kind of simple. And they were kind of humble. And um, they thought, we need, they need to ask the Pope's blessing, the, the blessing of the church. So St. Francis, his love for Jesus and his love for the church 
were together. His love for Jesus and his love for Jesus' church, Jesus' body, the church, was together. He had a great love for the bishop and the pope and those who were in authority. And uh, they told the pope, there's this little group of guys out here, and the pope had had a dream. And in the dream, the church was falling down. And a little poor man came and and lifted up the church as it was falling over. And so he thought, maybe this is who it is. So St. Francis, and they came in. And uh, so you can imagine in some of the movies about the life of St. Francis, there's this kind of dramatic scene. Imagine the Pope with all his outfit on, and here comes these little humble guys. And um, so they asked him, well, what is your charism? What is your way of life? proposing a new religious order. And you can imagine the Pope and the bishops, they get a little nervous, you know, like something new. Oh, wait a minute. And St. Francis said, well, our, our way of life is to live the gospel of Jesus. <laughs> that was it. So the very early days was like, well, here's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Let's do that. And that was the original idea. And uh, so what was the Pope going to do? <laughs> Think about it. He's not about to say, no, you can't do that, <laughs> right? <laughs> so they got permission from the Pope to begin. And so there they were, there they were. And so St. Francis, he reads in the gospel where Jesus heals the leper. So he goes and there were, you know, similar to the times of the Bible, there were like leper colonies where people had to live so that the disease, I guess that's kind of like COVID, you know, like we don't want it to spread and he went and he ministered to the lepers. In, in one of the stories, he talks about him kissing the wounds of the leper. And then the leper turned into Jesus. And you think of that passage in the Matthew 25 when Jesus says, I was hungry and you fed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you took care of me. Whatever you did to the least of my brothers... You did it to me. That somehow Jesus taught us that he is present in the poor. And so St. Francis experienced that. He experienced it. And so Franciscans always have a great love for ministering to Jesus present in the poor. And so uh, as a side note, that's one of the big ministries of the community that I belong to is we have homeless shelters and soup kitchens and we do a youth center for all the kids in the South Bronx that are growing up there in poverty. And there's always kind of a sensitivity to finding the presence of Jesus in the poor. You think of Mother Teresa, right? Mother Teresa of Calcutta, a great hero for so many of us. But it's not disconnected from Jesus. It's not serving the poor just to serve the poor. It's serving God because whatever we do, what does John say in one of his letters? Like, how can you say you love the God that you don't see when you don't love the brother that you do see? And when Jesus gave his teaching about what God expects of us, it, he made it very simple. Love God, love neighbor. And those two loves go together. They're never separated. And St. Francis had that experience when he served the lepers. And um, St. Francis felt a call not only to serve the poor, 
but to be poor with them. It was something a little bit different, to be in solidarity. And so there were all these passages in the gospel where Jesus talked about um, being careful about materialism and chasing after money. Did you hear one of those readings recently? <laughs> like today at Mass? I was like, I can't believe that's the reading at Mass today, Father Richard. You were a genius having me here today. Yeah. <laughs> so we have that story of the rich young man who comes up to Jesus. Was that the homily tonight? So you're like, oh, no, not another homily on the same passage. Okay, maybe we need to hear it again. And sometimes people would ask, well, what would have happened if the young man had accepted Jesus's invitation to sell everything that he had, give to the poor, and come follow? We know from the gospel that he did not do that because he was so attached to his wealth. He went away sad. But some people have asked, well, what would it have looked like? What would have happened if he would have done it? St. Francis. St. Francis was that rich young man who heard the call, sold it all to give to the poor, and followed Jesus. And um, he realized that uh, Jesus himself became poor for us, that when God was to come and take our humanity, that he chose to be poor, right? Born in a stable walking the dusty streets of the Holy Land. And so St. Francis, wanting to imitate Jesus in everything, had a desire not to just serve the poor, but to also live a life of simplicity, a life of detachment from worldly goods, to be poor with the poor, to be in solidarity as a, um, a, an example for the church. You know, because there's a lot of corruption in the time of St. Francis and People thought, you know, the bishops and the priests and there was, you know, not only immorality, but also kind of like, oh, if you want to be wealthy, become a priest, you know, because they owned land. And, and so St. Francis kind of, uh, without condemning people, he wanted to live the example of how he lived his life to be simple and humble and poor because Jesus became poor when he came to save us and he told us that he would be present in the poor, and then whenever we love the poor, we would be loving him. Isn't that beautiful? I just love that. I get so fired up for that with that. And so this was kind of like, I, I kind of get the feeling when I read the writings of St. Francis and some of the earlier stories, I, I get the feeling that if, if the Gospel of Luke said, the Lord Jesus walked with a limp, St. Francis would be like, hey, we got to walk with a limp now. You know, like he just wanted to imitate Jesus. You know, if, if the gospel said Jesus was left-handed, St. Francis was right-handed, he'd say, I'm going to be left-handed now because we just, we have to imitate Jesus. Like he just had such a great love for Jesus, for the incarnation. That was at the center of Jesus' spirituality. This amazing thing that God himself be, took on our humanity, became one of us, Emmanuel, God with us. And so because of that, St. Francis had such a love for all the places where Jesus was present. The poor, St. Francis had an amazing, amazing love for the Mass, the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. And it was just around the time of St. Francis and St. Dominic that the devotion 
was just starting what we now call Eucharistic adoration. I know you have a beautiful adoration chapel here to be more aware and more reverent towards this mysterious and powerful presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. And St. Francis would carry a broom. He would walk around with the broom. He kind of looked like a janitor. And when he got to a church, if the church was dirty, he would clean it because that's where Jesus is present. It should be kept clean. And uh, with the liturgy, he had a great reverence uh, for the liturgy to be prayed with devotion. And some people, when they saw St. Francis praying at Mass, and when they saw how St. Francis received the Eucharist with so much love and devotion that people had conversions, seeing the example of this man, how he prayed, he had such a great love for that mysterious and beautiful source and summit of our faith, the, the, the liturgy, the Mass, the presence of Jesus in the Eucharist. Um, St. Francis had a tremendous love for creation. Do you know, if you look at a piece of art, the art tells you something about the artist, right? So I know um, there was just a documentary that came out about Bob Ross. Remember him? I got to mention him, right? He was down in Muncie there, not, not too far down the road. What an incredibly gifted artist, right? Within 23 minutes, he could paint these amazing, uh, happy little trees and okay. And so if you saw the video of Assisi, you, you see this thing of the beauty of central Italy and St. Francis, he would start saying like brother sun, sister moon, like the little animals were almost like brothers and sisters, fellow creatures. Because if God created them, and it tells us in the book of Genesis that everything God created was good, good and beautiful. St. Francis was so sensitive to the presence of God that he saw. So yes, he did love creation, uh, but not for the creation's sake, but because creation speaks to us of the creator. And so you have this whole spirituality of being sensitive to the presence of God in all the places where that's found. So he did have a great love for creation, and he did have a great love for animals. So there were stories of St. Francis being very kind and loving towards the animals, and some people call him a beast master. <laughs> so he had the ability to somehow communicate with the animals because he was so holy. So in one town he was preaching, and the people were mocking him. <laughs> Thank you for not doing that tonight. <laughs> and so he said, if you're not going to listen to me to preach the word of God... I'm going to preach to the birds. And all the birds came. And he preached a sermon to them. And some of them went to confession. I don't know. <laughs> um, and so other Franciscans picked up on that as well, right? St. Anthony preached to the fish. And um, so St. Francis, though, he had a love for animals because they were our fellow creatures. And, you know, when he saw a little lamb that was going to be slaughtered, he, he ransomed it because Jesus is the Lamb of God. And, uh, and he saw a little worm on the, on the walkway after the rain. And, and these are real stories. He would move the worm because it says in the prophet Isaiah that when Jesus was on the cross, he was like a worm and not a man, so disfigured. And so St. Francis just had this, this incredible love, even for animals. It's true. But um, a little side note on that, he was not a vegetarian. So he, he, did, he did eat hamburgers or something. I don't know. But he did have a love for, for, um, for the animals as well. And he had a love for the, the little ones. 
You know, the title of the talk tonight is Everyone Has a Place in God's Plan. And that certainly comes through in the writings of St. Francis. It's like, look at this little person who the world doesn't value, but the Son of God loved them and died for them. So again, it's connected to Jesus. That if, uh, it says in the Bible that Jesus loved us so much that he would come and die for us. So St. Francis is like, we have to um, love and reverence the dignity and value of every life, every human life, especially made in the image and likeness of God, and especially the little ones. You know, in the Gospels, there's a number of places where Jesus honors children, right? And they're arguing, who's the greatest? It's so embarrassing, <laughs> those apostles. Who's the greatest? And Jesus brings a baby. Unless you become like a child, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And, um, and if you receive a little one like this, you receive me and you receive the one who sent me. Do not, do not stop the little children from coming to me. To such belongs the kingdom of God. So St. Francis had a great love for the little ones, including children. And, and so I think it's so important to mention that if St. Francis was alive today, he would be extremely pro-life. Extremely pro-life. And you know, that's one of the ministries that my community does because we feel like it's so authentic to the spirit of St. Francis. But we're not just pro-life in the sense of loving the baby in the womb, but it's also loving the mothers and the fathers. And um, I'll tell you some of the most um, powerful moments of ministry that I've ever had is doing retreats for healing for mothers and fathers who've had a connection to abortion. And I'll tell you, I mean, I, I'm Christian, I'm Catholic, so I'm pro-life. I believe in the, the value and dignity and sanctity and the presence of God in every human person. But nothing solidified and strengthened my pro-life convictions like hearing the witness of the mothers and fathers who've had abortions. You know, and they've had a conversion and they've been on a journey of mercy and forgiveness and healing. And I've heard from them, they've shared with me what these things have done to them. So it's not just about the baby in the womb, it's also about the mothers and the fathers. It's about everyone. And it's always connected back to the presence of Jesus, the presence of Jesus who had such a great love for children and the, what the Bible tells us about the unique and beautiful dignity and value that every human person has in God's image and likeness. Isn't that beautiful? So uh, we do a lot of that pro-life ministry as well, um, but always in a way that's offering mercy and love so often the situation is kind of complicated for people. They found themselves in a situation and are confused or they're afraid. And uh, so it's a complicated topic there, but we're always there to offer God's love, God's mercy, and to offer help in any way we can. And I, I truly believe um, that is so very Franciscan, you know, um, because of St. Francis's love for the little ones, the little ones. So, um, so maybe I'll just conclude by saying that um, St. Francis was known for being joyful 
There are all these stories of St. Francis praising God. So when I, I read it, it kind of sounds like he was a charismaniac. <laughs> you know, people have a charismatic spirituality. And uh, St. Francis had developed a habit of recognizing the good things that come from God, that God is good, God our Father is good, and that he loves us and that he provides for our needs and that we thank him. And he would, he would uh, be walking through the woods and he would be praising God out loud, kind of like a charismatic person. Um, you know, you see that in the Psalms as well, right? That, that there's these praises of God and thanking God for all of his goodness and all of the ways that he um, cares for us. And uh, so it's a spirituality of joy. It's a spirituality of gratitude. It's a spirituality of giving thanks to God, like becoming sensitive to the deeper ways that God is so good to us. And uh, the way that, well, Jesus taught us, right, that God provides, that God wants to provide. And maybe some of us have experienced that with our own parents who loved us and who were, are known for wanting to provide for us because they become like an image to us for God. And um, I think that's the best way to understand the spirituality of St. Francis, and in particular, his poverty. You know, when you're poor and when you choose to be poor, you're giving God opportunities to provide. And uh, I'll tell you, all these 25 years being a Franciscan friar, struggling to follow Jesus in the footprints of St. Francis and to live the spirituality, uh, probably the most challenging part has been poverty. As Franciscans are kind of known for that. And in the ways that uh, you may start to feel yourself vulnerable or um, that you're not sure what's going to happen. And I can only tell you that again and again and again, God has provided in just the most amazing ways. And, and it, just, it just is beautiful to see the way that um, what Jesus said was true that God knows and loves each one of us. We all have a place in God's plan and that if we turn to him and we strive to trust him, that he will provide. He will provide not just things, but also graces, graces that we need to deal with whatever we're going through right now. Graces to um, have peace when we feel a temptation to be anxious. Graces to forgive when we've been hurt. Graces to do what's right, even when it's hard, even when we'd rather not, maybe. The grace of the Lord is there. And um, I'll, I'll conclude with a really funny story um, that kind of brought this home for me. Um, so not this trip, but my most recent trip here to Indiana, um, I was driving this car that got donated. So all of our cars are donated. And um, I'm, it's a, what do you call the cars that are both electric and gas? Hybrid. It's a hybrid car. It's a Prius, okay. So you have to be careful in the parking lot. It's so quiet, you know, people don't see you or hear you. So I'm, I visited my family, and I'm driving back to New York City. It's a bit of a long drive. I'm in the middle of nowhere, Ohio. 
and I am praising the Lord. I'm listening to some Catholic podcast, and I'm just engrossed, you know. I'm just, like, really into it, and I'm just, like, marveling at what a beautiful day it is. I look down, and the empty gas tank light is blinking. And I was like, oh, no. I had no idea how long it had been blinking. But I definitely had not been paying attention. I'm too poor to pay attention. Okay. <laughs> Boy, did I pray. Your prayers get really intense and sincere in moments like that. Like, now I really mean it, Lord. I do love you. I know you're good. I know you want to provide. But please, you know, and there's no exits. There's nothing but just cornfields. I'm in the middle of I don't know where, and I'm just praying and praying and praying. And um, I ran out of gas. And I thought, okay, you know, this has happened uh, before. <laughs> <laughs> Usually it's, you, bre- you break down, it's an old car, and then you have these great experiences of people helping you. And uh, I know that I'm supposed to love that as a Franciscan, and I do, but I really love also not breaking down. <laughs> well, this thing is a hybrid, so when the gas cuts out and I kind of like swallow, it switched over to electric and it kept going. I was like, praise the Lord, you know? <laughs> and lo and behold, I did make it to an exit. And then when I hit the exit, um, the electric ran out. But the exit was a downhill off-ramp. And I kid you not, I hit the exit, now the electric, and I cushed downhill, and there's a gas station right there, and I am just praying, you know, and this car uh, coasted right up to the pump. And like, it's like, when I got to the pump is when the momentum stopped, so I didn't even have to push the brake. Like, literally, you know, the, uh, the nozzle was, you know, within inches of my gas tank. And I was just like, you're showing off. Hello? And that's how I lost my tail. Good night. All right, so I think the battery running out of juice in the middle of that story is hilarious, but it's probably also a sign that it's time. So um, you can imagine with talking about, as a Franciscan, talking about St. Francis and the spirituality uh, I could just go on and on, you know, on and on, but so thank you so much. Uh, I'm just so surprised to see how many people are here. It's just wonderful to see you all, and uh, as the, the month of pro-life, uh, respect life, month of October, the month of the rosary continues to go, you have the other speakers 
a, a Holy Cross priest and then a Dominican sister who's really wonderful. Um, please know of our prayers for you and uh, for God's blessing on each one of you as you strive to kind of live your faith in your life and maybe take some inspiration for some of the different traditions that are within the, the church. And uh, so again, thank you and God bless you. You know, we didn't do this uh, last week because I forgot. Does anyone have any questions? It's your chance to ask a question of a Franciscan friar in the flesh. Anyone? Anyone? Father, if St. Francis did not say, make me a channel of your peace, who started it? Who said it? Well, most of the world says it now. Um, they think it came from the late 1800s. I'm, I'm not exactly sure who penned it, but it's a beautiful prayer and song, and it certainly captures the spirit of St. Francis, but he never actually said it himself. It's more recent. Grouch. Okay, so what else? <laughs> who else has a question? Okay, you have to be really loud, because I'm not running back... relationship that St. Francis had with St. Clair? The relationship that St. Francis had with St. Clair. Has anyone here ever seen the movie Brother, Son, Sister, Moon? It's like the hippie St. Francis, everything. Completely wrong. <laughs> Sorry. But the soundtrack was awesome. <laughs> Donovan. Um, so St. Clair um, had been a member of the nobility. So there's a little bit of a background there. And so she heard the preaching of St. Francis, and she uh, felt inspired to follow his example, to leave everything. She was quite wealthy as, as a member of the nobility. Um, so they were very good friends, and St. Francis was like a spiritual director for her in the beginning, and uh, until she got started with her own community of poor Claire's, Franciscan sisters. Um, Sometimes in some of the movies, they try to make it look a little bit romantic or something, which is completely wrong. He was uh, quite a bit older than her, and um, so they had a spiritual friendship. He had been a, a, a spiritual director for her, and then um, the friars were a great support for the poor Claire sisters, just as now maybe different Franciscans go and say mass or hear confessions or... Uh, for the poor Clares, but yeah, so there was a great friendship, and he was a spiritual mentor in the beginning, and then she kind of got going and then became a great saint of her own right. Sister to father. Thank you. Um, I'm just, I wanted to ask a question about your pro-life ministry and with the retreats with people who have been connected with an abortion, whether you see anything that um, was kind of the tipping point for someone's conversion in that respect, like whether there's any kind of themes or trends, like what kind of um, makes them see the light in that respect. Thank you. Oh boy. Um, so sister, I guess the first thing I would say to that is that uh, all my years of doing ministry, um, not just pro-life ministry, but other types of ministry, I have been 
amazed at how unique every person's walk is. And you hear people, whether it be in a conversation or maybe in the confessional, and they're sharing with you kind of details of how God's grace has worked and if there was a moment or a conversion. So um, I don't know that it's there's like one thing other than um, when you bear the guilt and shame of something you've done and you don't have any peace, but you're looking for peace, you're looking for healing, you're looking for forgiveness. And when you encounter that in Jesus's divine mercy, it's like, um, it's beautiful. It's like being set free, coming out of a cage, like the chains falling, you know. But I don't know that there's been any like one thing because everybody's walk is so unique. And, but the grace is real. So, if you want to just talk loud, I'm not running. Yes, it is a true story. There, there's been a couple of books written recently about this episode from the life of St. Francis uh, going to Egypt, to Damietta, and it's during the Crusades, and crossing the line into the Muslim army and having this encounter with one of the sultans. And um, some of the more recent books, people have been trying to propose this story as maybe a role model for the way that we could have uh, dialogue with Muslim people. So yeah, so it's kind of well-known and popular, and it is true. Um, so it seems like the sultan was really impressed by St. Francis's sincerity. He really recognized in him as a, an authentically holy and loving man. And uh, they had these little sticks. They almost looked like nunchucks. <laughs> And uh, they were like a passport, and the sultan gave them to Francis. And then he was able to travel through the Muslim land with these little sticks as, uh, so that nobody would harm him. And he made his pilgrimage to the Holy Land to where Jesus walked. So it is a true story, but the, the real story is a little bit, you know, St. Francis went there to convert him. And so it's amazing. He, there were a number of people that wrote about it who were there, and St. Francis said that you need to leave and become Christian because Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And uh, to prove it, we're going to walk on fire. So get all of your muftis, and we'll walk on fire together. <laughs> and, the, and all those guys took off. And uh, the sultan did not convert, but he was really impressed and uh, gave St. Francis this little passport. They have those in Assisi, so I saw them, so they're real. So, yeah, it's just another kind of interesting story of St. Francis. Did St. Francis have the stigmata? Yes, he did. And uh, is probably the first saint in history that we know of who actually had a mystical phenomenon. I kind of didn't go there tonight because I always felt like it's such a strange topic that it needs like a little bit of an explanation. But in our own day, we've had another Franciscan priest, St. Padre Pio, who maybe some people have, are still alive who knew him who had this very unusual mystical phenomenon or gift that the actual wounds of Jesus appeared in their bodies. So holes in the hands and in the feet 
and then the, the hole that pierced Jesus' heart. So matter of fact, on this, this painting of St. Francis, you can kind of see, see his, around where his chest is, there's like the, the, there's a wound in his hands. So yeah, uh, many people testified to seeing it in the last two years of his life. He had the stigmata. And um, so just a word on to understand what that's about, because that's a little strange. And uh, it has to do with being so conformed to Jesus. Like I said, he wanted to imitate Jesus. He wanted to be like Jesus. He wanted to live like Jesus, talk like. And so um, St. Paul in his writings has a, a, a good bit of teaching that in our Christian walk, we become conformed to Jesus, our Savior. And uh, it, it appears that that was so concrete in St. Francis that he had this mystical thing at two, the last two years of his life. He did develop the actual wounds, and when people touched it or whatever, they were healed. Um, so there were miracles associated with that. But um, it takes a little explaining. It's, it's, I don't think it's a gift that mo many people get. <laughs> So, okay, well, I think we're, oh, the color question. So the, that's, nothing's more controversial amongst Franciscans than what color was the habit. Um, it was gray. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm completely unbiased. I stand upon the objective mountain of truth. Looking down upon the rest of you. Um, St. Francis and the early friars had their robes, which are in the shape of the cross, by the way. I forgot to mention that. When Jesus said, pick up your cross and follow me, St. Francis is like, we're going to make a robe in the sign of the cross and do what Jesus said to do. Um, it was the cloth of the poor, and that would have been undyed wool. So kind of a dirty gray, dirty brown gray. And so um, what ended up happening is a little while later, it was the same clothing that the lepers would wear. So when people would see the Franciscans coming, they would run away because they thought they were lepers. So they ended up changing it to brown. And then there are some Franciscans that changed it to black or like a blue in honor of Our Lady. But um, a dirty, well, the friars were known as the gray friars in the, in the early days, but it was like an undyed wool. So she's asking about my particular community. So we started in 1987, so we're kind of a new branch on the Franciscan tree. Started in the South Bronx. That's where it all began for us. That's where our headquarters are. And now we're in a lot of other countries. So Honduras, Nicaragua, Ireland, Northern Ireland, England, um, New Mexico. And then we just recently opened in Oakland, California. So, and... I don't know, maybe Carmel? Come on. All right. Well, I thank you again. I think um, we'll bring it to a conclusion maybe by saying a little prayer. Or? Okay. I'll give you my blessing. Let us pray. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Lord, we do thank you for this time. And I pray for each one. Help us to know your love. Help us to understand our place in your plan. And lead and guide us as we make our way through this life. 
I pray that the Lord may give you peace and may he bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Safe home. Thank you, Father Luke Mary. Just a couple of housekeeping uh, issues. There are baskets in the back for uh, free will donations to help offset the, uh, our costs. Also, um, if you could help uh, put the chairs up again and we can put the, the tables down for uh, lunch tomorrow morning, that would be great. So we'll have the Holy Cross Father uh, that will be here. His name escapes me right now. What? Father Bill Miss Campbell, that's his name. I haven't met him, so I don't know him as well. So hopefully you all be here tomorrow, at, or next Sunday rather, not tomorrow, at 645. Thank you, and God bless, and help put the chairs up. That would be great. Thanks.